Okay. So um, the focus that I had, in, and thinking about along the, along the line of the themes of this project, um, I really wanted to look at land acknowledgements from a stand, looking at land from a standpoint of power and inequities and understanding kind of what should be our relationship with the land as well. Um, as, as mentioned, I actually, well, I teach at Emmanuel College and I also meant to write uh, Victoria College as well as I'm cross-appointed to both. Um, and, and there's two ways of why I look at this. I look at this from a level of uh, looking at from education. And I think the spark behind me was just that experience of listening to this happening in my, you know, in different venues and educational, um, educational institutes, public schools, and understanding some of the issues in which, um, you know, how people didn't under, understand why we're doing this. And I think that's really important to, to think about that. Um, so let me just have a look here at our first. And so I call this the doing the earth. And, and the other part of a, being at Emmanuel College is of course, there's also a theological spiritual lens that I'll be putting onto this as well. So one of the things that I really wanted to bring forward and, and we're gonna look at the one that's, this one's a bit more of an extended version of the one that U of T uses. And I'm gonna walk through this one a little differently. And so it talks about this sacred land in which um, and I'm using sort of an example here, you know, of a place that I that we've used that we can we can substitute that word, um, which could be University of Toronto, uh, Kushnutani, could be Emmanuel College, but we 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 focus in on this society of human activity for thousands of years. It's the territory of the Yorunwinda, the Seneca, the Mississaugas of the credit. Now, a few pieces around this that I do want to bring forward is that, and particularly in this this um, these lines. And I'll get to the other aspect a little later in terms of the dish with one spoon, um, because many people may have heard it, maybe not sure what the reference is to that as well. But the point is this, this gets said, and, and does it give pause to think about what this actually is saying to us? So the first about, the first piece is around sacred land. And so just the where we, where we are, so understand the sacredness of the land itself. The first thing that I really want to make clear in this is that this is a land acknowledgement. It is not a land statement. And I want to really make clear what I mean by it. We are to acknowledge the land. That's first, first and foremost of what a land acknowledgement should be doing. It is to understand the land that we're on. And so we talk about the land that we're currently on, whether it's in Toronto or maybe there's others who are in different places, but to help you situate where you are and to think about that. What is important to understand, and the second part is, it is the site of human activity for thousands of years, is to understand the, the, the fact that it has been, um, it is a, it, it, the land has been here prior to the creation of a country called Canada. The land and activity did not start with the creation or when people um, you know, started to come over from, from Europe and to start to settle here. Was that this land has been here and has been, you know, the site of human activity. It's, it's people lived here. They lived off the land. And so in the next part, what we talk about is the land 
uh, is the territory of the, the Yorin-Windat, the Seneca, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. Now, depending where you are in the city of Toronto, um, the Mississaugas of the Credit can also be extended to Mississauga nations as well, Anishinaabe nation, nations, because if we get into kind of areas around Scarborough in the eastern part, we have other communities as well that we need to think about uh, in terms of Alderville First Nations um, or Scugog, in which they were also using the land as well. Um, so in the case of, you know, we, we do acknowledge the, the people of the credit who, who are, uh, you know, the current caretakers as people think about them, they have, they are, they're very ingrained today in, in our, um, in many aspects of how Toronto works. And, and the, however, to understand too that it, it could extend to also other nations as well, the Mississauga nations, um, because there's other communities. The next part is the, when we talk about it, is a dish with one spoon. And so people say it, and, and I'm not sure if people really understand what that means. And so this is what I've learned from elders who were who talking to this with a dish with one spoon. It's just when you think about one little, like if you think of a dish with one spoon and that we have to share it. That's what we have as, as, as a people. This is, this, is, this is an acknowledgement between many nations of this territory uh, around the Great Lakes is that we, we not only have to share it, but we have to care. And, and this is an important part that I really want to emphasize is that care component. Now this covenant or, or wampum or treaty as other people call it, what's really interesting is that treaties are about relationships. Uh, these are about agreements with each other. Now, depending on, the, on, on how these treaties are formed, in this case, this one is an, is an acknowledgement that we all live in this space and we need to figure out how to share it and how to care for it. This is the, the care part is the important part. This, there's a responsibility that is, that is part of how we, you know, for the land, we have, we have to be responsible for it. It is not a treaty in which is to enforce peace, which is different. It's a different relationship that usually strongly implies or really states that, you know, if you have a peace treaty is that we were at war with each other and this is how we're going to live peacefully with each other. Now, in some cases, when we have a treaty, that usually means someone has won, someone has lost. And there are some treaties, um, and particularly in this area, in which can be seen as either controversial or, you know, to, or at least needs to be acknowledged that not all that who have signed on to it, um, it, it, they were forced into a treaty, which is different. And so we have to understand those pieces as well. And sometimes those treaties actually are between each other. There's nothing to do with land other than that's your owner, that's your land that you own, we own the rest now. That's a bit of a different aspect where here, this wasn't about us splitting up, but understanding that we have all this area that we have to take care of and we have to be part of. And so this is what the dish with one spoon, it gives you that visual on the one spoon and the one dish, and that that is what we have to 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 take care of. We have that. 
And then we go a little bit into the next part, which is the meeting of Toronto and, and still home to many Indigenous people. And it is acknowledgement that Indigenous people are still here on this territory. It's not something of the past. It's not Indigenous people as we, you know, get thought about a lot of not being here or active. And that here in, in Toronto, that there's many Indigenous nations, uh, people from all over Turtle Island that come in. And of course, then there's all the other aspect of Turtle Island. People use that term and figure what do we mean by Turtle Island? But I think what I really want to make clear is that what we have to understand that this is around this whole aspect of land. And if we start to really get too far into, you know, whose land is it um, in the way of, of looking at it from a people standpoint, we lose fact that the land has always been here and is sustainable and has helped us. Um, and sometimes we start thinking about ownership, which is a very different way of thinking of, of it. When Indigenous people shared the land, it wasn't about this land about owning, that we are up and beyond. Um, one of the things that I like to, I, I draw in on is the understanding of, of land and how land is seen more as a commodity or something that is too be used and not that as as humans that we have we are part of this larger notion of creation and that we share it not just with each other but with other beings as well uh, and this comes through in, in many ways when you think about um teachings that came in at the time and when and particularly when christianity was being introduced and and a different perspective was being introduced more from individual rights away from collective responsibility and one of the, you know, one of the uh, verses that I use in, in, when I look at this and help me think about this, um, and I go back to Genesis number, uh, you know, 126, and we think about you know, when, when, when land is being created and people were um, introduced into now this, this whole new world, um, you know, and then let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. And I, I highlighted that piece on purpose, right? Uh, the NIV talks about rule. And so that changes suddenly, you know, you, you know the, the divine um, gift that's given, but it's a gift for dominion. Now, dominion or rule, you know, suddenly turns into dominate. And you did dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds, over the cattle, over the wild, everything. You've got dominion. You have ownership. You can dominate. And it changes the meaning and the understanding of our relationship to the land. We are suddenly now thinking more about land is for our use, to exploit, to use. Um, it was a way of also removing that that perspective that indigenous perspective is that you know your way of caring and sharing is not our way and we have this divine right to dominate we it's, it's in the bible we can use it and so again this is now where you're using scripture you're using something to your advantage and and now to be able to to, to say, I'm going to take over. And 
that is, you know, this, this has been a very different way of looking at it from many Indigenous perspectives. And so what I want to kind of briefly speak about, or, or at least introduce now, um, are some of the notions of why land can be, why, why is land so important to us in, in what way? And so I'm going to give you a more of a, a, a summary of, of a creation story. And, and this is the one that I'm familiar with. Now, many indigenous communities have different types of creation stories. The, the many types of create, there, there are different ways. Now, some of them are, are somewhat similar to what I'm going to say. They might use different animals or something a little bit different, but they all, the ones that I'm, I've read and, and seen come to kind of the same way. And so how it starts is that, the one that I've been familiar with is that um, there was one time the earth and, and well, really the earth, which is the big ball of water. And above the earth was the sky world. And in the sky world were the sky people. And so one day in sky world, there was this, there's a, there was a big tree um, that was there that got uprooted. And when it got uprooted, what they discovered that was this giant hole. And when they looked down, they could see below them this, this ball of, of, of water. And so um, people, you know, they were interested in what was going on and they were looking down. And so um, one of the, the, uh, the people who's known as Sky Woman was interested and she was trying to peer down to get a better look. And she's hanging on to the tip of like, whatever the roots of the tree, whatever she had her hand on. And she's looking down. And as she's looking down, her hand, she slipped and she fell through the hole. And as she fell through the hole, she's now starting to fall towards the earth. Um, as that was happening, as she was falling, the, the beings on that, on, on that, on the planet at the time saw this. And, and the birds came and, they, and they, they scooped her up before she fell into the water. And they're, and they're now, as they, they got her saying, like, what are we gonna do here? Because they're looking at Sky Woman and they're saying, well, it doesn't look like, you know, she can swim. She doesn't have webbed feet, doesn't have gills. She can't fly. How is she gonna live? And so they're trying to figure how they're going to, you know, as they're discussing this and all the water animals and the birds are discussing this, where are we gonna, where are we gonna put her down? And then out of no, out of, the, out of the, the, the water comes a giant turtle. The giant turtle says, put her on my back as we, we try to figure this out. So that's where Sky Woman is, is on the back of the turtle at the time. Now they're trying to figure out <clears throat> what are we gonna do because she can't, she won't be able to survive this way. And so um, some of the animals start saying, well, we, we have these stories that underneath the water that there's dirt, there's earth. We might be able to do something with that. So one by one, they, they go in and they, they try to go dive as fast as they, as deep as they can to get this. But, you know, many of them failed. All of them, they failed. They can't make it. They come back up and eat and they drown, but they can, they never made it back. Um, and so they're feeling kind of hopeless about this. And, and it was a, you know, different stories, but the one I'm familiar with says it's a muskrat. Um, the muskrat says, I can do it. And of course, they're looking at the muskrat and they're looking, well, well you're not very big and okay. So the muskrat goes, and the muskrat's gone for a long, long time. And they're waiting. Uh, and the muskrat's going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, just before the muskrat is, is almost done, cannot go any further, reaches its paw and manages to grab something and then comes back up to the surface. 
when they come up the surface, when, when, when muskrat resurfaces, you know, everyone thought, oh, muskrat failed till they noticed in the paw and in the paw was this little bit of dirt. So they were ecstatic about that. And, and so what happened was they gave the, they gave the earth over to Sky Woman. And so Sky Woman starts to take it in her hands and she starts doing this. And by doing this, the earth starts to grow. And she's, she's creating, she's, she's now building the earth. She's, she's making that little piece of earth get bigger and bigger and bigger, in which the earth now covers all the area of the turtle on the back and that she's now able to walk around. And as she fell, the one thing that I, I forgot to mention is that when she fell from the tree, she was able to grab onto seeds that were in her hand and she was able to put the seeds down. But this is kind of then the creation story of the starting point of how Turtle Island was formed. Is that the, the, the landmass, the area of, of North America is on the back of a turtle. And I say it all starts with creation. These are things that many traditional teachers, knowledge, knowledge keepers have, have spoken to me. It's like everything we do, we always have to relate it back to creation. And so with this story, I, I really want to emphasize in the sense of, it's not just a story about how the world is created, but it's to emphasize the relationships that were needed in order to, for Sky Woman to survive. And that for, for people to, to grow from there, um, Sky Woman was pregnant at the time. Um, so from there, the children were born and, and but it gives us a story on this relationship between the animals, uh, to, you know, our, our earth and the need for the earth in order to survive. And either for that, the need for the seed to be put down to grow um, the, 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 the vegetation, um, the things that were needed for us to, to live. And so it's to understand that, um, that piece, which is really important because it gives a different perspective it's not about sky woman now own the earth and told the animals that I own you. Now, um, a few years ago, when I was in, uh, when I was actually doing my studies, I was doing my studies at Emmanuel College, um, working my master's of theological studies. And in one of my courses, um, it was actually a biblical course at the time. And the professor was using this piece uh, by Thomas King, um, from green grass running waters. And just a little piece about that I'm gonna to speak to. Um, I was ecstatic for so many different ways because I actually never had it, uh, an indigenous writing used that wasn't specifically for an indigenous topic. That was something that I always, you know, when, when, when it was happened to be speaking about indigenous topics, that's when we said we tend to introduce indigenous voices. And in this case, it was actually brought into the context of, of um, creation and, um, you know, and, and looking at Genesis and looking at this whole notion of ownership and land. And so in this piece, uh, Thomas King, and this is just kind of a couple of snippets from it. But Thomas King is, to me, is giving this critique on the idea of creation. And if we look at the creation story in the Bible versus the creation story that I just spoke to you about, um, this, there's a bunch of different uh, characters in here. So I'll, I'll, I'll do my very best in, in a very short period of time to kind of say who's who here. Um, 
but I'll start off with the first part. So that's the way the story starts, I says. That is, um, that's the way it is, it, it is beginning. No, no, says that God. That's not the way it all starts. It starts with a void. It starts with the garden. I'll stick around, I says. That garden will be here soon. Hallelujah, says that God. So the first part is actually speaking about different perspectives. That God is referring to the Christian God, the one in the Bible. That is, that is the way it's being framed. That God is saying, it doesn't start this way. You know, we have a void, we have nothingness and out of nothings, you know, we, we, we have the earth um, and it starts with the garden. And I says, I says is I, from what I could gather is the voice of, a, of the creator and indigenous people, many indigenous um, people believe in, 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 in the creator um, in the sense of everything around us. We are part of creation. The creator brought us forward. And so it's a dialogue between the two of them. And again, it says in the way that it's trying to make a point that there, there was more than one story. The Christian way, the, the Christian teachings and the people in order to subdue uh, indigenous people were saying, this is our story, but this is the story. There's no other story. We will not accept any other stories. Um, it, so it gives us a bit of a different sense of perspective, different perspectives that are, are, are now um, engaged with each other. Then further on into the story, it goes, uh, wait a minute, says that God, that's my garden, that's my stuff. Don't talk to me, I says. You better talk to first woman. You bet I will, says that God. The second part has always then spoken to me about the way how Christianity, um, if we look at the way Christianity unfolded within North America, wasn't necessarily about bringing in Indigenous people and, 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 and having them take in Christian teachings and allowing them to stay with their own teachings or to work side by side, which also would have been the other way. Um, it was about this imposition. It was about that's my garden. It is my stuff. It is my rights. It belongs to us. When we think about when we think about when um, Christians and, and, and Europeans are first start coming over, this whole idea about ownership was very uh, ingrained. And, and when we look at some of the, um, the doctrine of discovery, um, that the doctrine of discovery was this legal divine, um, this, this, this law that allowed Christians to go into a territory and claim it if there weren't those who were considered to be people. If it was not occupied by people, civilized people, it gave them the right. It was their God-given right to come in and take the land. The reason they saw indigenous people less than was because they were uncivilized. They were not Christian. So basically the doctrine of discovery and, and, and what 
the uh, papal bull was saying at that point was with this with this legis this this law it is your right to go in if you don't come across other christians well indigenous people were not christians therefore they were not people therefore the land is open for for occup occupation so we had a different way there was a different way um, that was now being introduced and so this goes back into you know thinking how long back this this thinking's going it's not just people showed up um and started to look around and said oh you, you know um this line looks good it, it was something a mindset that was already there and this is where in you know looking at indigenous people it did not respect their ways the, the ways they did things um, the relationships. And so it was something that we need to think about uh, when it comes to these, these stories and how the Christian story start to dominate um, that narrative over here. So I want to go back to the land acknowledgement. And what I want to go through a little bit more is that the, is to understand that it is, this land that we're on is sacred, that this land that we're we, we, we we're here is that we actually, the land acknowledgement is to remind us, is to remind us that it is more than rights, it's about rights. It is about responsibility. It is about a place that we have. And again, it's this idea Going back to what I mentioned about Genesis first, uh, number one, first, um, the first Genesis, uh, verse 26, to understand that maybe that term to, for dominion is that you have a responsibility for everything that you see, everything that you're part of, and that it is way more than beyond that you, you're above everything, but you are part of something. And, and to understand, we just to think about that whole idea of land, that it is a relationship that we have with land. Because without that land, without all the gifts that it gives us, without the life that it sustains, and not just our own, we will not survive. If we continue the ways of domination, exploiting, polluting, taking without, and we're not giving back, and we strip it of its resources, we strip it of its, of its gifts, we are not gonna survive. We're, we are going to um, encounter all kinds of difficulties and not just for us, but for future generations. And so when I go back to the whole idea about land acknowledgement, it is to, to think through and understand how we've used land in, in terms of inequities in the past and that we need to rethink that and reflect upon that relationship in terms of a balance, that relationship with each other, but that relationship that we have a responsibility. And if we don't take that responsibility, if we don't go back to that responsibility and we just think about it more so of, you know, it's ours to use collectively, um, we, we have an imbalance and, and, and we will not survive. We will not thrive. And so this is something that we, when I go, when I go back to creation stories, 
is to understand the importance of it, understand the importance of, the, of the, that notion of creation that we, we are part of it. We are, not the, we are not the creation as people. We are part of creation. We are part of that growing story and that, those growing relationships. And without that, um, without that, we, we are going to, uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble if we don't understand it. So when I, when I think about, you know, going back to that story that I gave around my name, I had a surface understanding when I was growing up. That surface understanding to me was just, I knew what my name was. I knew where it came from in the sense of my grandfather and I knew of what it meant in terms of a translation. But what I, what I, what I was missing was that depth, that story behind it that continual way of understanding and reflecting upon what it meant, not just to me, but that connection to my communities. Land acknowledgements are very much the same way. And land acknowledgement to me is not a political statement. And land acknowledgement to me is not something that we check off for the sake of reconciliation that we develop it and look what we've done. It is much more than that. It is about the reflection of a, it is about a reflection of a relationship that we have taken for granted and that we have forgotten our way in what the land means. We do need to understand that the land has been here for a long time and that many peoples have traveled over and continue to travel today. And so it's to take that moment and pause and reflection and to ground yourself and, and to understand all of the gifts that we've been given and not to take that for granted um, for the sake of betterment of myself as an individual or as a, you know, you know how to profit off it, how to capitalize on the land because there's only so much of it and there's always so much life that if we start to abuse it, we will start to lose those gifts. And so I do wanna make that to, 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 to draw back and to think about it in that way. This was something, uh, I, I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. I like, um, I, I love cartoons and Calvin and Hobbes has always been one of my, um, my favorite ones. And so here we are, Calvin, who is, uh, they, they're exploring Mars in this one. And so they're kind of one of the first people on Mars, right? And, and the interesting part is, and I, I think this captured everything I wanted to say at one point, right? Is that, we have, you know, it's unspoiled, it's unpolluted, there's no people. Well, um, that, could, that could be taken a different way from an indigenous standpoint, but to understand what he's trying to say here is, you know, He's taken that moment to appreciate the, the surroundings. At the very end, you know, forgot. Forgot our role. And that's something I want to go back on. Is that we have a role. We have a responsibility. 
without that, without that understanding what that responsibility is, will we be leaving our candy wrappers as well? So as I, you know, as I, as, as I kind of been walking through this and thinking about this over the, the last few years, the way I approach land acknowledgements, as mentioned earlier, for some people, it is something, you know, for some members of our community, um, they feel that it's somewhat hollow when it's said. Some feel that it's just words that are not meant. And, and from my perspective, at times I do hear and I do feel that way, but I do appreciate the dialogue and the discussions that it's allowed us to have and to think about. Because if we, we don't think about it in those ways and we just do it, well, it loses its significance. It loses its um, purpose. And we just do it for the sake of doing it is not advancing relationships. It doesn't put us in a particular place. And so when we talk about land acknowledgements as well, it is a way of thinking about it. And how does it, how do you make a land acknowledgement personal to you in the sense of your relationship and to understand it? If I'm asked to do a land acknowledgement, and I do do them, uh, the only thing I also say too at the same time is that just because you ask a First Nations person or you know, Métis or Inuit person to give a land acknowledgement doesn't make it any, special, any, any more special. Anyone can do it. Now, when it's written, it helps you give, you give you a guide of what to think through. And if you've never done one before, I see why people read them because they want to make sure they don't make a mistake. But every time I, if I do give one, it will change slightly because it is, it is a reflection during that time for me of the land itself. And so whether it's winter or, or it, I situate it a little bit differently each time, I think about it a little bit differently. But I also think about, as I said, the sense of my way of thinking about it has really changed. That I moved from it being words on a paper and, and being recited over and over to a place that it, it helps me to think through not just the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm alive because of the land and what it provides us, but I have a responsibility that not just to myself, but that I also need to teach that responsibility as well. And whether it's to other generations, whether it's to students, whether it's to my children, to understand that we have a role to play and that role is actually a responsibility and that we should never take it for granted and that we should not forget that we are part of something that's larger. And going back, it's more than, you know, so I take that whole idea of domination, dominion into a place of responsibility. That I have a role to play and then that's, you know, whether it's to serve or to nurture or to preserve, um, it is important for us to maintain that relationship and to understand that relationship and my relationship to others as well as we share this territory with each other. And so in, in that way, um, I will end off uh, my, um, my, my talk here and say, Nyawagoa, thank you so much for uh, listening and, and for uh, allowing me this time to kind of just speak about something that is something that's become quite commonplace 
but we I think we need to be reminded um, of that relationship so it can continue to grow. So thank you very much. Yeah, we'll go on.